Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Today we have with us uh, the lovely Robin Waite. So where I originally met Robin was um, on Clubhouse when that was a thing, like a bigger thing at the start of last year we do similar things really so we created um some marketing rooms together and it was, it was kind of cool to hang out but then in real actual life the other week we met him because we were all speaking at the same event so we actually properly met him finally yeah we decided to get him on the podcast so it's a great episode robin really knows his stuff it's brilliant how he's gone from working all the hours God sends to realizing, you know, when a family came along, that actually it wasn't conducive to the way that he wanted to live his life. So he had to redesign his life and he has done. And along the way, he helps loads of people as well. But if you panic a bit about your pricing, this is definitely, definitely one for you. Let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So Robin, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and what value you bring to the world? Yeah, absolutely. So um, veteran in business, I'd say now. So I've been running businesses Ooh, for 22 years. Started off doing a couple of side hustles straight out of university, but then uh, I set up my first proper business, I would call it in 2004, doing marketing and branding, web designs, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And then 2016, a few things happened. So I started to grow a family. So uh, I was in between daughters and uh, just realized that whole sort of frenetic lifestyle of, you know, having a team, having 200 plus clients all sort of, you know, wanting you at their beck and call wasn't really conducive to sort of a happy family life. So I basically just, uh, well, I ended up selling it, but one day I just said enough's enough, walked away from it. Um, Did your wife say, come and change some nappies or I'm off? Uh, well, well, there was there was an element of that. Um, you know, she she's she's very busy. So, bit of back, she's a lawyer. So she's you know she works very hard full time wow. as well. So she needed that support too. Yeah. So I sold the agency, which gave me not not for much money, but it gave me a bit of breathing space just to figure out what it was that I wanted to bring to the world. And I'd already written for shameless plug my first book on my business startup. So that one, which was doing well, it was getting me consulting gigs and things like that, speaking opportunities, podcast interviews. And um, I had about three months off um, after I sold the agency and figured out, you know, who it was exactly that I wanted to help, how I was going to help them and things like that. And of course, so that's where Fearless Business came from, which is the coaching practice, which I still run to this day. Um, So that was around about 2016 when I made that transition. And the whole purpose behind fearless business isn't like most people mistake being fearless for being reckless. It's completely not that at all. It's not about like making crazy, stupid decisions in your business and hoping that they work. It's about yeah, I've done that. Fearing... It doesn't work. Done that. Yeah, exactly. Again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure everybody's <laughs> tried it. Reckless fearless. Point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't. Well, you see the people who are reckless because all they do yeah. is they they bounce from one idea to the next idea to mm. the next idea and never really see anything yeah. through uh, sort yeah. of through to fruition. So we help people to build their offer up. Um, you know, help people to stop charging hourly rates, for example. Uh, a lot of our clients are in that service client sort of space, coaches, consultants and freelancers. Uh, busy selling lots of hours, but not really making much money out of it. So we repackage up their offer, show them how much they should and could be charging for it, and then teach them around things like sales, confidence, mindset, um, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. And so the idea being that, um, uh, you know, a majority of our clients, not all of them, um, but a majority of our clients will typically double their revenue in about three to six months. Um, yeah. But from a, a sustainable 
base. You know, there's mm. all these people doing the six and seven figure bullshit stuff. Sorry, am I allowed to? <laughs> yeah, you can. You're doing all the six and seven BS, right? And yeah. the reality is like a lot of the practices which they teach about um, some of the marketing concepts behind it are very short term because take the cold DM approach, which is big at the moment, that is eventually LinkedIn and Facebook and all these platforms are going to clamp down on that. And so it won't become a thing. So my whole ethos is around building. A bit it's like soul solid. destroying, isn't it? I think. Well, absolutely. But we're about building solid business practices, solid offers, which will stand the test of time. And you can adapt then your marketing to fit around that offer, depending on what's like popular in that moment. Yeah, so yeah, we were saying you that actually, the other we week were... at, um, at a speaking event where we were both speaking and you absolutely blew me away because you came up with, and you've obviously done it a lot before, but it was a really good way to get people's attention and kind of hone in on what you do and what you can accomplish in like, giving someone a challenge or making a bet with someone in the audience. So do you want to tell everyone listening what that was about? Yes. Yeah, so, so I hope so... you can remember, Robin. <laughs> no, I can. Like, Thank you. I can't. I'm terrible it, at remembering. You don't know any, so I just black it. <laughs> the host of it was like, oh, I can't believe you haven't got any slides. We're like, he didn't have any slides. He didn't mind right. that. We know roughly what we're doing and we know what we're talking about on certain things. And because of the nature of that particular event, people speaking were doing very similar things to us. We were really conscious because we were going second to last after the main like guy that's running it. We didn't want to um, repeat anything that other people had said by like being like stuck with a PowerPoint, you know, that we had to go through because we'd obviously already done that. So that's why we made the decision to do what we did. But yeah, you obviously did the same, which was good. The coaching side of things, I I like to be quite intuitive about the way that I work because you do get like unknowns thrown at you or knowns thrown at you. And, you know, using the example you just used. So I have a toolkit a very good toolkit and it's a bit like you know if you're doing DIY on the house you're like well if you've got a screw you don't go and get a hammer because you've got the slideshows prepared and it says use a hammer on it you would adapt and you would go and get a screwdriver out of your toolkit Mm. so that's my approach to it's a bad analogy for me if I just I could get a screw with a hammer well I suppose you could yeah it may not have the desired effect (laughs) but it won't work as efficiently I don't know but a major part of what my belief is around one of the quickest ways to grow a business is by increasing your prices and there's a number of different ways to do that but pricing is based on two things one it's based on the economics of like what stacks up for business major part of it though is just purely mindset so uh, when people set their pricing they try and hang their prices based on something which is tangible so they may go and look at their competitors and see how much they're charging I mean, that's fine, but the mistake is assuming that um, those competitors actually know what they're doing and that they're, how they've priced their products is making them money. Because imagine if they're yeah. pricing based on the competition and then all of a sudden, you know, the competitors are losing money. Or now based on their own imposter syndrome and, oh, I can't charge you this much. Yeah, I couldn't possibly charge that yeah. much. But, then um, it just cycles it, down, doesn't it? That's it. And, and an interesting stat as well, and this is across the board in, in pretty much every industry, especially in the service client business space, the top 10% in the industry create 60% of the value. Mm. So if there's 100 coaches in a room, 100 coaches producing 100 pounds worth of value, just 10 of those coaches will be contributing 60 pounds of the value. So it means if you go and look at your competition, and like 90% of them are charging effectively below market rate, like 90% of your competition are losing money, and they don't Mm. realize it or not Mm. making enough money to make ends meet. So first we show them the economics of like how to price their products. The second thing where it gets really interesting for me is where we then tap into the mindset side of things because 
that imposter syndrome you, you mentioned actually operates at a very subconscious level. There are people who have some level of awareness and are like, yeah, I have imposter syndrome. But ironically, when you know you've got imposter syndrome, like it, that's like the antidote to it. So you, you can do stuff about it. So yes. it's a bit of a fallacy in that, re- that respect. So the pricing side of things, which happens at an unconscious level. So I've been through this process now with about 700 business owners and the price which they would price themselves at consciously versus subconsciously, unconsciously, um, is about half. Unconsciously, when I go through a process with them, it's a really fun process, which you obviously saw the results of that when we chatted it through with Mark. Let's say, for example, you've got a web designer who's charging a thousand pounds for their website, say. When you then start to show them that there's a world where they could be charging a lot more, and we we go beyond the realms of possibility. There's a we give them a, a future world where they could be charging five or ten K for those websites. And they might immediately go, oh, no, but that's no, based no. on the current set of circumstances. Oh, I yes. possibly charge that much. The leap's too, too big, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. But what, what I, then I just kind of emphasize it, just like, well, imagine there is a world in the future, like whether it's next year or two years or even five years out into the future where you could be charging five or 10K. And then they go, oh, yeah, I can, I can grasp that concept. That kind of, yeah, that's, there is a world where I could be doing that in the future. So what we've done is we've created this bandwidth of what they're charging currently versus what they could be charging. So like a thousand pounds up to 10K. And it's it's bandwidth. Most people see pricing as being what I call binary. So it's either yes or no, it's too cheap or too expensive, I'm in or I'm out, etc. Yeah. Whereas actually what we've done is we've established that between a thousand pounds and 10,000 pounds, there's 9,000 numbers in between that, that they could potentially be charging. And so then this is where it starts to get fun. We, we then go through an auction process because I'm like, right, we've just established that you're too cheap, essentially. And I get their agreement. We did it with Mark. And then we start to uh, go through the numbers. So I I won't go through the full sort of numerology, like thoughts behind it. There's a psychology around like how to price stuff as well and numerology. So we'd go 1,200, 1,500, 1,800, 2,200, 2,500, 2,800. So we go through the gears in terms of pricing. And it, it's a bit like Darren Brown. So the subconscious kicks in. And like most of the time I, I tell people, don't say anything because your body will tell us when we've hit your limit. And so you'll see their body shift at, let's say, eight, between 1,800 and 2,200 pounds. So it could just be a, a, a sharp intake of breath or a raised eyebrow or a smile or a <laughs> no, just a little something. Just a Yeah, it's funny how people react around money, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so, so then what we've established is a number which is just inside their comfort zone, you know, say 1,800, and just outside their comfort zone, which might be 2,200, say. And that number is nearly always double. It's nearly always double what they're currently charging. And I've, I've done this like so many times. Then immediately they go, oh, I have that moment of insight, that moment of realization. Like, oh, wow, gosh, oh, yeah, okay. I could Maybe I could charge 1,800 pounds for this thing. Like, that's great. Like, we've now created a, an assumption, a theory here, which, you know, fine. But what we need to do is then, like, prove or disprove that hypothesis. Like, can this person actually step out into the world, into the marketplace, and sell the thing that they were previously selling for a thousand for eighteen hundred pounds? The challenge is it's basically data. Have you ever seen those L'Oreal adverts where they say, like, we polled to thirty-seven women and ninety-seven yeah. percent of them said our product was amazing? You're like thirty-seven w- women and you're putting this advert in front of like hundreds yeah. of thousands, millions of people. Yeah. Most people will go and ask somebody first and foremost who's not a business person. I'll like ask their partner, say, oh, this coach said, shall I charge £1,800? Oh, no, you're not worth that. So yeah. they ask, they <laughs> yeah. gather the wrong evidence, right? Um, I'm a big fan of actually just going out and testing and validating it on your current market because most people have leads and inquiries coming in. So simple process. You pitch the next 10 people or 20 people at that new price point. And most people, 
because they're pretty good at what they do and they're honest people, they'll close like two, three, four out of every 10 people they pitch at the new price point. What I love about that is what you're doing is not saying go out and offer it to one person because it's about familiarity and confidence, isn't it? And so if they pitch it to the next 20 people, they'll learn to like be happier saying it, more confident saying it. And then that's when they'll get results, probably when it comes to like 15, 16, 17th person that they're pitching it to. Yeah, that's it. And like sometimes we luck out and they like, um, you know, I had a client who joined Fearless who we did our group call on the Wednesday went through their offer, went through this pricing exercise, and they just, pure luck, they had two sales opportunities, one on the Thursday, one on the Friday, and closed both of them at the new price point. You know, so yeah, they loved you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for life. You know, but then, but then we also have other clients where it takes a little bit longer. It depends on yeah. the offer and how extreme you've gone with the pricing side of things. So to kind of put it into perspective, we had a um, somebody who was a communications consultant. And um, when we drilled into their, their offer, they had this amazing process, but they were just picking up like day rate work and really very unfulfilled. And But they had one client in the education sector who was their dream client. So I was like, right, we're actually just going to, yes, we'll speak to other educational establishments, but we'll have one major focus just on this one specific client. It was UCAS, basically, so it's biggest, you know, university clearing house basically yeah. it took them 12 months so this was longer than our, our our usual sort of client but they closed 180 grand consulting gig wow and previously they'd done about 20 or 30k a year just wow. doing a rate type work picking off bits and pieces you know and it was their dream client so and i mean she was fortunate she had savings to fall back on she you know she could wait sometimes a lot of people don't have that time or the money to kind of fall back on they kind of it's more urgent so then you get into the realms of kind of marketing and lead flow and trying to speed up the process and getting those inquiries come into practice the pitch. But yeah, it's just practice, validate the numbers, go out and try it out. Uh, I think out of 700 clients, we've maybe had two or three who've come back and had to drop their price because they've got to 10 and they've had no yeses and it's just not their confidence. So, okay, we'll just rein it in a little bit. But then they start to sell at that slightly lower price. And before you know it, they've gone back up to the price we set in the first place because they're confidence is a major part of this is mindset and confidence all of a sudden their confidence is like yeah. yes i can do this yeah it's yeah. huge isn't it the mindset because you speak to some people and you just can't believe they're charging the amount that they charge is so low and they're so great and they get brilliant results and you often say don't you anita you're uh, you pay more to get your dog's haircut than some of these coaches oh, God, for like an hour of their time and they're like changing people's lives forever it's like what when you put it in that like say that to them then they kind of go oh yeah I see what you mean um, but the psychology of it as well that people don't really appreciate is that by charging less money you're kind of giving the impression you're shit because people <laughs> think cheap is not very good and that we all think it so if you're like have got all these money blocks and you're not confident going out saying I'm going to transform your life and it's going to cost you x so you're saying I'm going to transform your life and it's going to cost you 20 quid we all go well that's not going to work is it Sounds rubbish. Yeah. And we judge it based on that solely often, don't we? Here's a little anecdote if we've got time. So um, I had an amazing um, mentor who taught me um, a lot of what I know from a sales perspective. And um, he went into uh, it was a dockyard up in Merseyside. Essentially, what they did is they wanted to turn the, the dockyard from, they had the whole of the U shape of the dockyard, but they were only using about a small percentage of it, 10% of it, did about 10 million a year. Their goal was in two years, they wanted to turn this business into a hundred million pound a year business and then sell it basically. So my mentor, when he went in, he's, he always sold his coaching on a percentage of the upside because he was very good. And so they sold a £9 million coaching 
package to yeah. somebody. And the thing is, like his thing was like, all we used to get told was, oh, you must be good. And the reason he came, he stumbled across it a bit like a lot of people do when they get pricing. It's normally a happy accident when you put a price out and then somebody says yes. He started out life basically running a, um, a packaging company, product packaging, basically. At the time, I mean, going back sort of 40 plus years, at the time, nobody charged for design work for these packaging. So they did the design work for free to get the packaging jobs. And Nick was just like, this is, this is daft. We're just losing money hand over fist here. We're getting so many leads coming through. So we're, we'll, ch we'll just charge a fixed fee, 10K to do the design work. They started getting even more design jobs because people like, well, if you're charging for it, you must be good. Yeah. yeah. So it was quite yeah. telling. And actually when, you know, the upshot of that, his first business was that they had about 40 people in the warehouse handling the, the packaging side of the, the practical packaging side of the business. And then they had a team of four designers. The four designers ended up being responsible for 10 times the profit as the warehouse. Um, when they sold the business, they ended up getting something like a 10 or 11 times multiple, but just on the purely on the basis they'd monetize the design. So it's quite telling. And after he told me this story, because it was just like his philosophy was, you just got to try it. You've got to try these things. And if it doesn't work out, you can go back to what you were doing previously. The week after he told me that that story, I, I we used to do a one-day branding workshop, which we would charge £1,500 for. So we'd all gone through our, my productization process by that point and had this amazing one-day branding workshop, which we charged £1,500 for. And one day, actually, Nick phoned me up. He said, Robin, I've got a great client for you. They need you to come up to York tomorrow. And I'm down in Gloucestershire. So I was like, York? I'm going to drive mm -hmm. to York. It's just ridiculous. We want you to come to York tomorrow. And oh, by the way, they want the entire software team to be in on your workshop, 23 people. It's like, well, we normally only let three people in. He's like, great. So I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll book your hotel for you. I love the assumptive um, clothes. Yeah. How yeah. how much do you want to charge? So I I I was I kind of just went, you know, bearing in mind we were at 1500 before. I went, um, oh, well, I don't know, 9K, a bit of silence. And he went, great, I'll tell them 18 then. <laughs> and I was like, you're joking, Nick. Nobody will ever pay that. So this is what I hear from my clients. Nobody will ever pay that. And sure enough, on my drive, my four hour, four and a half hour journey up to York, and I've got all this stuff going through my head, planning for the next day and stuff like that. Uh, look, get a little text message come through, comes through which, uh, from Nick, which says, Robin, check your bank account next time you pop up, like if you stop at the services. And sure enough, on a drive up, they paid 18K straight into the bank up front. Awesome. Delivered the workshop. They couldn't have been happier. And it was just like, for me, that was like oh, one of those epiphany moments where you're just like, money and pricing is not attached to the things you do it's attached to the perce perceived value of the thing that you do yeah like what's the, you're providing for people yeah and how exactly. much that's what, worth what's the them? outcome and result that you're delivering and you can like this is gonna really be ready for some really shit advice <laughs> yeah yeah you can just make <laughs> it up and that's okay because if somebody says yes to it great because you've got a yeah. contract now it's a it, that it's a fair value exchange but what yeah. i love like about what you're saying is that you know we try and keep this podcast fairly practical so that people can actually take these tips and implement them without like going oh it's all very well for you but how does that help me and all you're saying is give it a go if it doesn't work move back to where you were before yeah. and who can't implement that you know but people yeah. are people are so focus like sh it's short what i call short-term focus on uh first degree consequences okay yeah so what they see is they're fo so focused on the next client and catastrophize what happens if that one next client what if they say no and you yeah. could have had you could have had that amount and you could have lost that business if if they have said no to that price you could have lost it altogether and that's it comes back to the, obviously the name of your business which is the 
the fear side of it, isn't it? And it's the fear that does stop because I said at the um, the event that we were speaking at when I was in recruitment, people used to be amazed at the, the temp rates that I used to get because I didn't understand the pricing chart that they gave me. So I just, if somebody was on, if we were paying the management accountant, you know, 15 pound an hour, that's what they were getting. I'd just um, double it and add a bit because I couldn't yeah. understand adding NI, the working time directive, yeah. the percentage thing or whatnot. So I just thought, well, it's always at least that. But obviously I didn't realise as the, <laughs> their hourly rate gets on because math. And they were like, you are making like this much money on each hour that person works. I was like, oh, that's cool then. But it was just because when somebody asked me, I'd rather just say something confidently and it not be too low. Obviously we don't want to lose money. And um, then try and faff about, you know, you know when you hear people with their pieces of paper, we, we'd get this when we speak to people on um, calls and we say, well, what's your price instructor now? And they they start like moving pieces of paper around or needing to look at a website and things. It's like, well, you're never going to sell anything if you can't confidently just say what it is. And uh, that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Try, say, try it, give it a go. Um, and if they get the result that they want from that, then, you know, for, for us, it's always a standard for us to whatever people pay us, get that money back for them and some. So yeah, really, yeah, that's this is so basic. If we're not, you know, if somebody works with us and we're charging them more than like what they can make back, then obviously it's not very good business, is it? But that's why if we work with people on one-to-ones, we think how much do we charge them for the whole year on one-to-one and how fast can we get that back for them? It's a standard to like, what things can we do with them to, to make them money fast so that then we're like, okay, well, even if we do nothing else for the entire time that you're with us, like that's not the idea. Obviously we want to do more, but even if we didn't do anything else, you can't complain because you've got, like that, uh, that but the interesting there. thing is there's always stuff you can do when you look mm. at somebody's business with a fresh pair of eyes there's yeah. always stuff you can implement super fast that will go out and make them some fast money and they'll go oh i didn't know i had that because there's always people with money on the table that they're not utilizing people assume that like the goal of business is to like work with everyone take on every single client and <laughs> it's that this is where you then move and in, shift into second and third order consequences so if you're competing on price to acquire clients and the goal is just to take on anyone and not qualify them properly that you know common myths right that we can bust right now okay the customer is always right bollocks <laughs> the reason they come to you is because they need you more than you need them they're not experts in your field so how can a customer always be right in something which they don't know about Okay, yeah. so it's bullshit. Now, okay, we're we're decent human beings, upstanding, so we'll be patient. We'll help them through, and we'll educate them. We'll we'll get we'll bring them across to our side. But the customer is not always right. The second mistake, as well, is that there are such things as bad clients for a business. Okay, so you know we have good clients who we love working with, but we can also let bad like poor quality clients into our business. Yeah. And often, when people are too cheap, they end up with lots of poor quality clients who take up a ton of their support time, constantly want the moon on a stick. They're constantly so battering true. you and, and it's, yeah. it's really hard work. One of the other pricing decisions we made in my agency, um, it's around about the time of the 2007, 2008 crash. I'm showing my age now because I've, th- I've been through three boom and bust, <laughs> dot-com bubble, 2007, 2008 <laughs> and what we're experiencing now. So 2007, 2008 rolls around and everybody's panicking. They're shitting themselves over, you know, what's going on quite rightly so um you know there's a lot of uncertainty but what i, saw I was on many... maternity leave <laughs> well, you, you <laughs> when that... <laughs> yeah i know i was like <laughs> i went back part-time and i was like i don't know what everyone's all the fuss is about but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just removed yourself from the situation yeah um but we in my local town so it's only a sleepy old town in the cotswolds but we had about 25 30 like local design agencies doing all sorts of creative stuff. And all I saw was them all competing on price. Yeah. Uh, Race to the bottom. 
race to the bottom, like got yeah. to get as much business in as we can, but like, you know, not profitable. And I was sat there, I had a conversation with my business partner over a pint and I was just like, I think they're wrong. I think, you know, I've always been a maverick doing things the, the opposite way, probably by sometimes the wrong way, sometimes the right way, but the opposite way to everybody else and it's worked. So I was like, I think we need to be putting our price up. And he was like, international signs of stretch. No, Robin couldn't possibly put a price up. Nobody else is doing that. It's like, well, uh, I'm in charge of pricing and sales, so I'm going to do it. So um, show my naivety back in 2007. So we were charging £10 a month for support and hosting care plans for our websites, right? £10 a month. Can you believe that? Um, and so I made a decision that I wouldn't just double it, you know, or add 10% or something like that. We went to £50 a month for our basic care plan support. Now, we didn't just jack our prices up and not add any extra value. So we increased our service level agreement. We added in extra support time, all this stuff. And we had about, at that time, about 120 clients on the £10 a month care plan. And the stats were like amazed me. So, um, when we make, when I implemented the decision, it's like, inst- I just made a, right, we're doing it tomorrow. This is what we're doing. Um, so we lost 40% of those clients. So that was a bit like, and my business partner shat himself. He's like, oh my God, we lost all these clients. I was like, yeah, we we're going we're to lose some clients naturally. Yeah. Um, but 30 days later, checked our profit and loss and our the line for support and hosting has gone up by two and a half times immediately. Mm. Bang, more money, which immediately fell to the bottom line as profit because we hadn't increased our overheads. They'd stayed the same. Um, and then the pixie dust moment started to happen. So our support calls overnight dropped by 80 percent right so those 40 percent of those clients who left who let's face it didn't really get the value yeah pit yeah. clients absolutely pain in the ass factor i call it and mm. there's always a pit tax that you have to add on as well if you spot a pain in the ass client as well um but yeah they those 40 percent of clients left took all their bitching and moaning and problems with them and so we ended up with all of this time you know it's one of those things you, you charge a bit more money you end up with more time to deliver a better quality product or yes. service to clients that left who then trust you, buy more from you, so you end up making more money. And so it creates this virtuous mm. sort of cycle. So that that was a big epiphany in, in that moment. And then then we based the whole business around how, because this customer lifetime value on those £50 a month clients mm-hmm. ended up being, you know, three anywhere between three to five times higher than what it had been previously. So all of the experts had always been like, no, no, you need to be going out and getting these big five and six figure web design projects. When I realized we could we could get people on £50 a month on a, on a £1,000 website versus a £10,000 website, you know, it didn't create 10 times the amount of work necessarily. Or, you know, we were just like, right, well, let's just get loads of people onto the £50 a month. And that, again, that was the reason because we had a lot of clients on the, those sort of rolling contracts that that was what ultimately led for me to be able to sell the business you know several mm. years later and still uh, be in business as well through that time well yeah i mean out of business didn't they they did um i counted the number of agencies that were left by 2012 so actually like a long way further on when i considered that the economy had kind of recovered enough and there was just five of us left Wow. In the original 2530 that were there. So it was quite telling. If you underprice yourself, you're going to go out of business. No bones about it. And you're, just, you're not going to enjoy your business either. It's, it's about enjoying what you do as mm. well, isn't it? If your yeah. heart's sinking before you're about to go on, like, do a client, you know, work with a client, then that, that's not a good client. It's not a good fit for you, is it? You know, if you have that feeling of, like, oh, God, you look at your diary for the day, like, oh, you've got them today. And then if you feel like that about it, you shouldn't have that one. That's not a good one. That's they're taking it. up too much of their time. But, it, but it's like today, for example, I look at my diary and I get to speak to Anna and Anita. It's like the best day ever. Ooh, I've got nothing else right. planned today. As soon as I finished here, I'm going to go and like 
tinker with my bike in the garage for a bit you know awesome. yeah we've got a lunch um and then um a chat with our book coach so it's not all bad yeah so it's a good day we try and get all our work done like tuesdays and thursdays and then a little bit wednesday and then the other days are gonna be like oh the fun but it's like you know speaking to you and things so yeah it's, it's it's good to do that it's all fun but you know like the the stuff that's kind of not client faces like you know not with clients is on we're doing like detective work aren't we We want to find because we do oh yeah property on the side and we want to find out like a contact for corporate property and we know that this restaurant has lets above it so we're going to go and have to have lunch there it's a really nice restaurant <laughs> as well have to have lunch there to get yeah. chatting and say yeah. oh who do you deal with in this company um so yeah it's a good excuse isn't it Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Got to be done. Got to be going. Wagatha Christie is very, very but topical at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Wagatha. You know, I don't heard that yesterday on the radio. Wagatha Christie. That's the first time that I'd heard it called that. That Vardy and oh my god, it's been around for years. Anything. Yeah, she came up with it ages ago when she first did a sting operation on her. I'm allegedly, not. what are you talking about? Oh. Just you're so up on current events, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No. <laughs> or any event. I don't have ever, ever got any time for that. Like, who's watching the news? Not me. I just thought oh, it's, 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 it's so important to I hear about it. In the news, isn't it? But it's just mm. that, like there's so much negativity around it. There is. I don't watch the news. Control, just this like, has been out for so yeah. long. You can't have missed it. Really, it's on all the headlines. And I'm a Leicester City fan, so obviously, like for me, the only Vardy I'm in, I'm interested is Jamie Vardy and the goals that he can score. Not interested in like any of the circus around it. Just just get some goals in. Jamie, which he is doing, so that's fine. That's all I'm interested Le- in. Leicester City, Anna. Oh, is that is that yeah. the time? I've got to. I've just got. To... <laughs> who, who do you support? <laughs> I've got to go for a nap. Oh, that's another oh, good well, reason don't, don't, to I'm, give I'm that joke. I'm an Arsenal supporter. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you you're feeling the pain we felt for the last two years then of like being sat there in fourth all the way through the year and then actually finishing fifth. Um, yeah, two years well, in a row we did that I'm hopeful. To us. there's a game left and Tottenham could still mess it up so you know <laughs> yeah so it's out of your hands now though whereas it wasn't yes. yeah yeah I mean, no they messed up you're right Anna yeah yeah same <laughs> we did the same last two years running so just gifted it to Man United but two questions yeah, we always ask to all of our guests are um the first one is what makes you savvy because we are the get savvy club so for me it's about intuition so which i said way back at the start in terms of like how i run fearless business and deliver my coaching i think a lot of people listen too much to other people and don't trust their own intuition and i think many of my successes has actually been from not listening to other people and doing the opposite in fact to a certain extent of what other people are doing so just just trust in yourself. And if you've got an idea for your business that, you know, has been bubbling around for a long period of time and your gut is telling you, I think if I did this thing, that might make a really big difference. Like JFDI, just fucking do it. Because yeah. quite often it's those things that are just simmering and bubbling around that have the greatest power. Yeah. Because subconsciously, they're the things that we really want to be doing. You know, yeah. like you said about people who are working with clients and they get that icky feeling in the morning when they look at their diary. It's like, why do we, why do, we do that to ourselves? I just do yeah, this, we don't need do to. We don't have a job anymore, world. guys. Yeah. We don't have a job. Uh, but also, what from what you're saying, it sounds as well that you're like us in terms of like we don't just have a, like a load of stuff. Like we know of other people that do similar thing, like similar things to us, and other we have clients that have been through multiple different maybe coaching through other people uh, before they come to us, and like it's incredible the amount of stuff. It's like they work with a coach and they just get given so much more work, like these forms to fill in, that do that. And it's actually, no, that's not what it's about, just getting stuck in. A, and I think that's how they justify maybe the prices. I don't know. It's like, hey, here's a massive document for you to fill in. Here's a load of um, things for you to do. Here's 
like all like almost like um a certain way that they're telling you to do and that's that rather than actually everybody's business is different so every, the way that you coach everybody is different it's a distraction from actually just mm. getting out there and fucking marketing yeah. and selling yes. your products and services all our one-to-ones we have to rein them in no you ain't doing that yeah you know all these people who get hung up on like oh i've got to do my branding and my website and i've got to get my socials right and i've got to get to, i've got to design the perfect product and you know six months down the line they've sold nothing and it's just like yeah almost kind of ditch all of that just get comfortable getting out there and pitching whatever that looks so, like so true and we a lot of the time we say to our clients is okay but is that activity going to make you any money Let's concentrate on making some money first and then we'll finish off the website and set up a profile in this whatever. Start because membership you can, you can get so, you, yeah. and you feel justifiably like you're working. But actually, if it's not bringing money in, is it really work? I don't know. Yeah. Because it can walk the talk ourselves because we, um, is that what you say? Walk the talk. I don't know. Anyway, walk, um, walk, 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 talk, talk, whatever that. <laughs> Um, because we, we can, can walk have, talk. Yeah, we can <laughs> do it all. But we, um, yeah, so we didn't bother having a website for months, literally months. And we also just got an idea, threw it together, got out there and, you know, did a five-day challenge and just went for it without all of this extra yeah. stuff going on. We did, like, prioritise getting branded photos. <laughs> That's priority. But apart from that, so everything else was, like, you know, thrown together. The other question we always ask is to recommend a book. So like a business book, a development book, something that's helped you along your way. One of the first self-development books I ever read was a great book called Built to Sell by John Warrillow. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a great consultant, built and sold two businesses over in the States. But um, his book introduced me to this whole concept of like productizing services and teaching you how to like do one thing really well for one specific audience and how you can make a great success out of doing that. Like too many people spread themselves way too thin and then wonder why they're not getting finance, freedom and fulfillment out of them, their lives and their business. How can people find out more about you, Robin? Uh, so I have a, a little gift for people. So again, shameless plug. So this is my latest. Yeah, I nicked one of them when we met. A couple no, of I never got one. I'm such a div. I'm, I, I just went, can I have this? <laughs> you Anna, I'm, go, I'm yeah. about to tell you how you can get a signed oh, copy good. of it, Anna. So, so I'll can, listen in can, now then. There we go. So if you go to fearless.biz forward slash TYS, so it's lowercase TYS for take your shot, pop your details in there. I'm very proud of the fact that I, I sign these, I pack them myself. I walk them down to the post office and I send them out Aww. to people. And there is an option in there. If you feel guilty about having a free book, I know we've been talking about pricing today, but there's an option in there to buy Robin a, a pint, uh, AKA pay for the postage, um, which you can also do in there as well. So take your shots, best place wow. to get started. And then I'm, I'm on social good. media, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. even on TikTok now, believe it or not. Yeah. So having a bit of fun there. Same. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good that you've got that there. Because some people do have a bit funny about, like like we say, about doubling the prices or charging more. People are a bit funny about taking something for free as well, aren't they? Like, oh, this doesn't feel right. So you've got that option there for them to buy yeah. your pint as well. Which is Absolutely. Cool. Well, just this morning, I get an email come through, £2.50. Somebody's just paid for the postage, bought me half oh, a pint when I go down to the pub later on. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice. So how much half a pint is these days? £2.50? Oh, it's around my local, yeah, in the Cotswolds. Probably if you go oh, up the north. Cotswolds, Cotswolds. Yeah. Yeah. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Awesome. So that was the brilliant Robin Waits. I told you... It was going to be good. If you want to win a copy of the book that you recommended as well, Built to Sell, you can do. All you need to do is screenshot this episode, put it on social media, tag us in um, so that we can see that you have, um, and then you'll go into a draw to win the book, and we'll get that out to you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. 
That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.